Should we go electric? I think we should go electrified with Toyota. Electrified? Electrified means options. So electrified looks different for everyone. Yup, and with more options for reducing carbon emissions, Toyota is electrified diversified. Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero. Jim, I feel like I haven't genuinely asked you how you're doing in a while. Uh, I, I'm, I'm good. I'm kind of in the weeds on the immune system right now trying to figure out what's going on mm-hmm. it's so beautiful outside though that's really invigorating i know i'm feeling really good today just because the sun is right out. does it make you want to go outside nah. oh walking outside is the highlight of my day as someone on twitter compared it to like being a dog and i feel that way like you're just spent like mm-hmm. waiting for going for a walk I'm one of those like elderly dogs who's pretty much content to stay inside and nap. Yeah, incontinent. That's private, Jim. I told you that. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, so bad at this physician confidentiality stuff. Um. <laughs> okay, so the the kind of news that I wanted to ask you about. Yeah. Is the U.S. is defunding the who that's a big thing this week right a lot of what the world health organization does is infectious disease and basic hygiene and sanitation stuff that is um like really really high yield in terms of helping prevent serious outbreaks and you know the u.s we just spent two trillion dollars on a bailout package because of this global health emergency and we contribute about 500 million dollars a year to the WHO. It sounds like a lot, but it's 0.025% as much. I mean, there's lots to criticize about the WHO's response, and there's lots of open questions, but they were still, they declared a global health emergency and urged countries to uh, implement social distancing at the end of January. And we didn't do mm-hmm. that. You know, to put our response on them it doesn't is, is not appropriate, but no one was perfect in this. Anyway... I mean, I'd love to hear actually what uh, what Ed thinks of this because he's been covering infectious diseases for a very long time. Right. So we talked to Ed a couple of weeks ago about how the pandemic will end, and he laid out a couple of different scenarios of what things could look like. He just released a follow-up that is titled, What the Summer Will Look Like. And so we're going to talk to him. What's summer going to look like? Like, how can we have a good summer? Right. You know, do you remember the song LFO's Summer Girls? How does it go? Um, I like girls that wear Abercrombie and Fitch. I'd take her if I had one wish, but she's been gone since that summer. Since that summer. Wait, were you trying? I, now I'm. Well, you were just talking about summer, so. Yeah. Hello. Hey, Ed. Hello. Hey, guys. How's it going? Good. How are you? Uh, you know, I'm still here. Thank you for agreeing to talk to us again. Uh, Catherine has lots of specific questions that I find myself uh, giving long-winded, hedgy answers to about what the future looks like. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, I believe she was um, hoping that you could uh, be more articulate. Oh, right. So my birthday, not that you asked, but it's <laughs> July 23rd. Right. Happy birthday in advance. Thank you. I'm a Leo, but it's a cusp with cancer, so it's often confusing to figure out who I really am. I don't know what Um, any of that means. 
Anyway, it's not the point. Okay. The point is, I was hoping you might be able to walk me through what that day might look like. Yeah, so I think it's clear to me that we're not going to be in like this very severe state of lockdown in perpetuity. Like it will start lifting at some point. But I think certainly every health expert I spoke to is very clear about how this is going to be a lingering problem. And so your birthday is actually an interesting time frame because that is probably going to be past at the point when this first wave has truly peaked and started to abate and probably past the time when some of the restrictions we're seeing now are going to lift. Um, I think we can expect some elements of our once familiar life to resume, but not all of them. Let me ask you, can I walk you through like what my dream sort of birthday would be like? And you tell me yes, which things, sure. what <laughs> right. piece will look like? It's a good thing you didn't say no, because I've tried that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go yes. on. Let's, okay, let's so I wake, up, I wake up in the morning. It's a sunny day because it's the summer. It's wonderful. Yeah. I decide I'm going to go out for a coffee. Yeah. It's hot. I love iced coffee in the summer. Yeah. I'm going to walk down the street and get myself an iced coffee from the place down the street. Mm -hmm. So far, so good. I'm going to be able to do that. Here's, okay. So put it this way. I think small businesses that don't have massive crowds in them are an obvious place to think about opening first, right? Mm -hmm. Because that eases off on some of the economic burdens that we're facing. It doesn't lead to the problems of large crowds that will still continue to be problematic. Mm -hmm. And it's easy to imagine how you could keep many of the same precautions that we are using right now, even in that situation. So you could, for example, have markers on the ground that tell people how far away to stand from each other. You know, you could have um, servers wearing face masks. You know, you could have much stricter hand-washing policies so, so I get up, I go to my coffee shop. Am I wearing a mask? Let's be very clear about two things with the masks. Firstly, that um, healthcare workers need them above everyone else. And right. then I think that once the supply for healthcare workers is stabilized, and I think there's still a question mark about how long that will take. It could be longer than July. I really don't think we should um, be overly optimistic about what supply chains are going to be capable of doing. Wow. Okay. So there could still be a, a shortage of like N95s for healthcare workers. May maybe there might be. I, I, like, I definitely don't want to say the mask thing is going to be fine because I think this is one of the problems we're facing now. I think people have this sort of innate sense that this being America, a powerful and rich nation, having identified the problem, we can fix it. Yes. But like, like one of the um, experts I spoke to told me, this isn't a problem about dollars and cents this is a problem of physics like how much of a thing can you make and where can you get it to and the issue come july um is that we might have got past the first wave of the pandemic but other countries might be getting into their first peak might be right. getting into a second we don't know what the patterns are going to be around the world so the demand on these resources which are global now and the supply is already stretched and the other thing is that the masks are not for protecting you. The masks are for protecting other people from you. So 
I think everything depends on whether people can get used to that idea and see the masks as this sort of communal good. Because if they don't, and if they still think of the masks as a way of protecting themselves, at the point in the summer when hopefully people will feel less at personal risk, they're probably also going to be less likely to wear masks. Got it. So I'm at the coffee shop. I'm probably wearing a mask. Now, have I had coronavirus yet? And do <laughs> so I So here's know? the thing. We, we don't, you don't, at this point, let's say you're going to the coffee shop. So you're going to the coffee shop. So you, you know you're not symptomatic because otherwise you would be a responsible citizen and you'd be staying at home. But you don't know if you're not infected because the whole point about this virus is that it can spread before symptoms start showing. So there's always right. a chance that you might be able to infect someone else, even though you totally feel fine, which is why right. you're wearing the mask. Right. So I have no idea if I have had coronavirus yet. Right. So there has been a, a lot of talk of this concept of immunity testing. So looking for antibodies that people would typically build up in response to an infection to work out whether you have been previously infected and therefore might be immune and therefore might be able to just go about their business freely without worrying about either getting infected or infecting other people. And there are many problems with this idea. Um, firstly, we don't know if people with antibodies and who test positive are incapable of transmitting the virus to other people. So you could be immune and contagious. Right. That's a possibility. Even if you have antibodies against the new coronavirus, we don't know whether those antibodies will actually do you any good or not. Antibodies can stick to different parts of the virus and be very greatly in their effectiveness depending on where they stick. So do you have the right kind of antibodies? We don't know. And the tests that people are talking about can't tell you. Let's say you have the right antibodies. Do you have enough? Even for diseases we know really well and have studied for like more than a century, it's still not clear what level of antibody in your body would provide sufficient protection. So that bit's unclear. Now, let's say we work all of those things out. It would take a mammoth and probably unlikely effort by your birthday, but let's assume that miracles happen and, and we know that, that we know mm -hmm. those things mm -hmm. the the big problem that remains um is called the base rate problem which is that even tests that seem accurate can be wildly misleading if they're testing for something that is still rare in the general population so say by july only a minority of Americans will have experienced this virus. So even if your antibody test has a small false positive rate, that's a small chance of telling someone wrongly that they have antibodies when they actually don't. Mm -hmm. The fact that so few people are infected means that the number of false positives is going to massively outweigh the number of true positives. Mm -hmm. So put it another way, Come July, if you get an antibody test result that says you have antibodies to the coronavirus, the likelihood that you actually have those antibodies is quite small. I totally admit that it is ridiculous and counterintuitive, but it's, it's a general problem for screening for something that is actually quite rare among a large population of people. Got it. So I go to the coffee shop. I get the iced yeah. coffee. I yeah. 
stands six feet away. I have a mask on. The, the, the barista has a mask on. I walk outside. I probably like immediately sanitize my hands because we're really being careful about all this. <laughs> Say it's summer. It's hot. It's a perfect day. I want to go to the beach. Okay. And yep. swim. Yeah. And I want to take the subway to get there. All good? Um, I struggle to imagine how a city like New York would work without the subway, without some form of public transit. That is a scenario specifically that a few public health experts basically threw their hands up at me about. Like That is essentially the equivalent of a mass gathering, like a typical New York subway car is just densely packed with people. And even if they're all wearing masks, um, still a potential risk. I don't, I don't know what to do about that. Um, you get, let's say it works and that bit's normal. You get to the beach. It's interesting to me that a couple of people I spoke to specifically mentioned a beach as like a hypothetical example of an outdoor space where you could have like a fair number of people, but probably not packed together at the in the density that you might expect on a normal summer day and you know maybe there'll be restrictions on that maybe there'll be like specific rules about you must be six feet away from people or whatever the whatever the distance is there are so many uncertainties right so six feet seems like a reasonable distance but is is that the right distance we don't we don't really know should it be more than that don't really know mm-hmm Wait, so I'm not at the beach with a group of friends. I'm there alone? Um, maybe you're there with a small group of friends. Can I get in the water? Sure, I don't see any reason why you can't get in the water. Sharks. Sharks, right. I mean, other New Yorkers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, okay, so I go to the beach, and then maybe I bring like one friend, and we're far away from each other, and we're far away from all other groups, and and then I get on the subway, but it takes us like we're waiting in line in some sort of like socially distanced line to get on the subway because they're only letting ten people on a car at once or something. Mm-hmm. So it takes me a long mm-hmm. time to get back home. Anyway, I get back home, and then say I accidentally injure myself in a really minor way somehow, like mm-hmm. I cut myself or I like step on something sharp. Can I hop over to the urgent care really quick or to a doctor's office to get bandaged up? I mean, pr- probably. Um, I would expect that medical care would still continue. Um, Are they wearing think, PPE? Oh, God, I hope so. Um, maybe they'll have enough PPE by that point. Maybe they won't. Um, maybe they'll also start running out of important drugs. Um, we're already starting what? to see certain... Right. So we're already starting to see drug shortages of lots of important critical care medications um, because there weren't enough in the first place. So a lot of important drugs rely on long international supply chains uh, that were already stretched thin. Many of those trains are now running perilously dry because there is a pandemic. So the entire world is depending on the same types of drugs and also because a lot of those supply chains run through places like china like india which is now experiencing its own problems and halted exports for a while and like italy so i think these supply chain issues are not going to resolve themselves super quickly the people i have spoken to who understand supply chains well 
are worried about the medium term. And that mm -hmm. obviously covers your birthday. So I guess my advice would be part of being a responsible citizen is also being good stewards of our own health to the extent where that's possible. Just like definitely don't step on anything sharp. Right. I don't, I don't know how you normally would spend your birthday, but take fewer risks than you normally would. Okay. So my last question is, I would normally say go to a restaurant and then a bar with right. my friends. Mm -hmm. Do I get to do that? I would expect that going to a restaurant is probably fine. You know, I think a lot of restaurants are going to be in trouble anyway. So assuming your favorite restaurant still exists, maybe again, like the coffee shop, it has some restrictions in place. Like maybe the tables are not packed as tightly as they would normally be. But will you be able to go out and have a nice meal with a small group of friends? I have a hard time imagining that that wouldn't be possible in some way. Are you going to be able to go to a crowded bar afterwards? I think there's a distinction to be made between what would be advisable from a public health standpoint and what will be allowed from a political standpoint and then what people will actually do. One thing that ties all of these predictions together is I think in general, we will have to get used to the idea of smaller groups, more sparsely populated public spaces and just slightly more flexible, like temporarily impermanent plans than we used to have. Right. One, one guy called Ashish Jha from Harvard, like in, in tweeting the piece I wrote, he said, our pandemic summer, it won't be like summers of the past, but I'm optimistic that if we do our job right, we can get through well. No baseball games, but yes, iced coffee with a friend. All right. That's one good thing I can look forward to. Summer iced coffee with a friend? What a treat. And like, you know, uh, like, not to be too rose-tinted about it, but I think like after this period where we're all sort of separated from each other, I think we'll maybe cherish more the small moments of contact with like our close friends. I mean, I certainly will. Um, Jim, now I cede the floor. No, I mean, I just was thinking about how do you correct these issues of supply chain and like... Part of the problem that we've seen around the U.S. has been solved by a little bit by some states sharing resources. You know, like the question of ventilators is partly solved by people moving things around when some, state is, uh, right. some states are going to have excesses when others have shortages. And if you can effectively coordinate that, you can do a lot that doesn't necessarily involve actually making more ventilators. And at a global scale, the World Health Organization sort of, in theory, coordinates such such allocation of resources right like at, at the moment it's all very rousing and, and good spirited you know there's like oregon lending ventilators to new york and mm -hmm. you know new york saying like new york thanks the great state of oregon and will answer the call when oregon needs it's all very lord of the rings <laughs> you know? it's like when gondor calls rohan will answer yeah yeah, it sounds nice, but then when they're both like up against the wall without their weapons, surrounded by orcs, like how concerned are they actually about their uh, other their brethren? Um, right, right. Yeah. What are y'all talking about? This is what it was like when you started talking astrology earlier. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's so alienating. It turns out. <laughs> yup. <laughs> Anyway, um, it's a it's a wild moment to not be like let's make a more functional global uh, health 
structure, but uh, let's just uh, withdraw from it completely, you know? Um, yeah, and I think um, I think it's going to be a very costly move um, because I think if there's one thing that this pandemic shows us is that what affects one country affects all countries and no country can fight things alone. And this whole America first ideology just doesn't work for pandemic preparedness. Yeah. To put it in a birthday analogy, it's like China's throwing this big, nice birthday party for everyone, making lots of friends, and the U.S. is like, uh, I hate birthdays. I'm I'm not going to your party, and I'm not having one myself, certainly. Right. Like, I'm going to steal all your cake. Yeah. And I'm going to have all the cake for myself, and then it's very surprised when no one comes to its party. <laughs> This is explaining so much about my childhood. <laughs> um, anyway, do you feel better, Catherine? Do you feel Do you feel happier with your day at the beach, maybe with your small group of? You know, it's not great. <laughs> it's not what you might hope, but if I can have something concrete in my mind, I can, I can better plan and prepare myself mentally for for the long haul we're in. You know, I'm like okay. Well, I'm going to get joy out of my iced coffees with friends this summer. It's not going to be the hedonism of before, but there will be something. Yeah, totally. And I think we all should also recognize that like, this kind of weird situation, this new normal, you know, is still like way beyond what a lot of people get to do. Like a lot of people with disability don't get to go to the beach. Um, you know, a lot of people don't have money to go out for a nice meal in the evening with all their friends and you know I, I think i'm hoping that what comes out of this is that we all feel like just a little bit more aware of the disparities in what feel normal to different people and that we're sort of grateful for um you know the small little bits of joy that we have like i don't think that things are going to be normal but i do also think that they'll be fine in a different way. Mm -hmm. That was the most gracious privileged smackdown I've ever received. And I really <laughs> appreciate you doing it so gently. <laughs> one thing, one other thing I wanted to draw out from your piece, which I did find really, really helpful. You talk about a story from the Vietnam war where vice Admiral James Stockdale spent seven years t being tortured in a Hanoi prison and Stockdale's strategy you write, was to meld hope with realism. And this is the quote from him. The need for absolute unwavering faith that you can prevail with the discipline to begin by confronting the brutal facts, whatever they are. Mm -hmm. Stockdale talked about how there were a lot of uh, optimists who were imprisoned with him. And, you know, they would say, we'll be out by Christmas. And then Christmas will come and then they wouldn't. Or we'll be out by Easter and then Easter will come and they wouldn't. And, you know, he says that a lot of them just died of a broken heart. And I think that we're sort of experiencing similar dynamics now because I think people want to believe that things will be okay. But I think there is a difference between thinking things are going to be okay without really grappling with why they're not and then doing the Stockdale thing of actually fully internalizing what is happening, and nonetheless retaining hope for the future. And I think that striking that balance is what we all need to do now, because otherwise we're just going to keep on 
getting broken again and again. Um, whereas I think if we go into the future clear-eyed and hopeful but realistic, I think we'll ultimately end up being more resilient. Ed, you, you have a beautiful way of disseminating horrifying facts in a reassuring way. It's the British accent. <laughs> yeah, Stay thanks safe, for coming guys. back, Ed. Okay, right, you too. Bye. Bye. This show was produced today by Alvin Melleth with help from Anna Waters and Jacqueline Landry. If you want to support the journalism we do here at The Atlantic, you can do that with a subscription. And you can do that at theatlantic.com slash support us. You good, Jim? Uh, yeah. I'm glad you're feeling better. I'm looking forward to coming to your party, your birthday party. Put it on my calendar. I'm... <laughs> I won't and never have had a birthday party. <laughs> All right. Okay. Thanks. Bye. Bye. So, should we go electric? I think we should go electrified with Toyota. Electrified? Electrified means options. Yes, we could go all electric with a Toyota BZ4X, but then there are hybrids like Grand Highlander, or we could do something in between like a RAV4 plug-in hybrid. So Toyota is electrified diversified? Yup, and with more options for reducing carbon emissions, the closer we all get to Toyota's beyond zero vision for the future. Exactly how much coffee have you had this morning? Learn more about our beyond zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyond zero.